Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Celtics Stuff Live with your hosts, Justin Poulin and John Dukes. Welcome to Celtics Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. Yeah, we were going to do this differently this time. I'm John Duke. I'm actually here with Justin Poulin. Recovered from parts unknown. He's back, folks. He he's not gonna let himself get Wally pipped by this by the the uh, the founder of CLNS, Nick Gelso. Nick, thanks for him joining us last week. But Justin's back. We're ready to get after it. We're gonna talk about the trade deadline. We're gonna talk about you know what's been going on with this team, this this post holiday swoon that the Celtics are on. <laughs> And we're going to give, give Justin a chance to maybe fill in on, on Kobe. And we obviously know that Justin has some, some strong feelings in the past on Kobe. So we want to get to that. But uh, first of all, Justin, how you doing? You're feeling better. You're back. Your color's good. You're in your new office. I am in my new office, although the wall color is the same. So probably nobody will even notice on video. But... I am in a much more comfortable recliner chair, so you know what I mean? I'm getting old. Got my feet up. Get the swelling out of my ankles. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I got to say, you and Nick had a very entertaining show. I couldn't participate, but I definitely did listen. And, uh, you know, mostly I was just laying around in bed trying to get over the get over the fluid or whatever it is. I don't know if it was a cold or a flu, but it definitely hung around. Maybe it was coronavirus. Who knows? But I will tell you, uh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. I don't, you know, maybe you should just, you know, have Nick replace me. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. That's ridiculous. It's we Nick and I have great shows because we do them like twice a year. That's what it is. You know, if we were all, if we, they'd be all three hours long and, and most of them would take place in 1983. So I think we have to let the know, listeners decide. 
I really don't think. <laughs> There's no vote. It's this not is really not a democracy, okay? okay? Is, yeah, I mean, you know, or at least, at le- you know, let's get a smartphone app and see if they can uh, tally the votes up like the Iowa caucuses. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to. Let's avoid. Let's avoid that debacle, huh? I mean, uh-huh. oh my God, what a mess! Wow. What a mess! Thankfully, we're not going to talk about the Iowa caucuses tonight. We're going to talk about or today. You might be listening in the morning. I don't know. Whatever time you're you're listening, that's when we're supposedly recording this because it's live. No, not anymore. Anyway, let's talk about the trade deadline. Live to tape. Let's, live to tape. Live tape. It's it's live when we when we're saying it. So enjoy. Um, uh, Celtics obviously there've been some moves. We're recording this right now on Wednesday night, so some we're about not quite twelve hours away from the trade deadline. So if you're listening to this the morning or the afternoon, there's some of this is going to be outdated. So we're going to somewhat kind of put this in a, in a capsule and time capsule in terms of what we're thinking now. Hopefully this isn't too outdated by the time you listen. Um, but Celtics have not made a move at this point. Um, there are some players that have moved. Um, a big deal with Capella has gone down, uh, moving him from Houston to Atlanta, Covington going, uh, from, uh, from Minnesota to Houston. There was some talk that Capella was interest from the Celtics. Now, of course, we, and we've got a move where Iguodala is going to Miami. But the Celtics so far are, are standing pat, and Bullpad has said that they're now looking at fours and fives after saying that they were looking for wing depth before. So that's kind of the lay of the land. But what are, you, what are your thoughts? I mean, do they need to make a move? Well, I think you know where I've, stand, I've stood on this. I don't think they need to make a move in terms of anybody that really impacts their top six players, right? Um, and I'm not even necessarily all that big on making a big man move. And I could I could kind of see where they might go after somebody like Capella, but again, doesn't move the needle, um, not really a space-the-floor guy. And I'd rather, you know, honestly, at this point, give those minutes to Cantor, although I could see where getting a younger player who might be able to play that that level of defense and, and get that rebounding and kind of with an eye to the, towards the future might have been something. But um, but not really uh, not really going to make a big difference on their prospects for this year. And I, I have not been uh, in a position where I was at all a fan of moving Hayward and you and, and Ryan Bernadoni and I had danger cart had some interactions on Twitter. It seems like the Celtics uh, based on the information that's come out recently uh, don't have any intentions of moving him either. And probably for the same reasons as myself, I, I think you'd be selling low. And I actually think there's a very high likelihood. And I think this was the debunking point was that a lot of people didn't think that, Hayward opting in was necessarily a no-brainer and that he might very much opt out and and try to go test the waters. I I think there's absolutely no chance he doesn't opt back in. I think he's really happy with the way the Celtics organization's handled everything, to be honest with you. And I think he wants to see I think he wants to see his contract through and he's probably, you know, just as likely to be able to sign a big deal one year later than he is to to go to the market again this year. And and even with the the cap availability and the position he might be able to put himself in, in this off season, you know, everybody else is lining up for next year. So next summer the losers, you know, the the ones that don't get Giannis 
might be willing to to pay Hayward what he's looking for, you know, especially as as everybody, you know, when they don't get the prize possession, they go for plan B and Hayward's a hell of a plan B. And I, I love the fact that the team even recognizes that he's actually deferring too much to allow these young players to grow and have their have their room on the on the floor with the ball and then yet when they need him to to attack and everything else he's looked great recently so i do agree though that if they want to take some of these young players like danny said you know it's unfortunate because you know we have a lot of young players they might be able to package something like that to pick and and make some some upgrade you know depth wise uh, you know, for the bench. And I think that makes sense for the postseason and just for the injury factor. But, you know, even a player like Lankford tonight didn't necessarily play, you know, to a point where they, where he scored a lot of points, but he drew an awesome charge, you know, and he was three or four. So when he did shoot, you know, he was, he was making them and contributing, you know, and they have a lot of depth at the wings. So they're, they're kind of making it through it. Maybe you just go with the big man depth or maybe even try to go with a little point guard depth. I don't know. I, again, I don't think they're really going to move the needle a ton, but I think it might help them, you know, keep the players healthy between now and then. But even a guy like Grant Williams played, has played great in a couple of games with increased opportunities. And we've said this before, you put some of these younger players, um, that have some talent and you put them out there with starting caliber players and you're going to get a, you're going to see them in a better light. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's really a question of expectations. Really, really, you know, I think that there's, we're at a point where people are saying, well, if they make a deal, it's like, you got to get a, a top line, this or top line that I think, yeah, obviously if you're not trading Hayward and, and, there doesn't seem to be anyone on the market that would make sense to do that with right now. You're what you're shooting for is someone who's your seventh or eighth guy, you know, someone who's going to, who's going to be a reliable bench option who you can throw in there in that, you know, late first quarter, early second quarter units uh, that you can rely upon and, and gives you maybe a different look maybe than what Grant Williams could give you, or maybe what uh, Brad Wanamaker could give you. You know, it's it's kind of that change of pace thing. Give Brad Stevens options of players who can come in there and can perform at a professional level. And I think that's always the issue when you have these young these young you know rosters that the Celtics have had with all these draft picks. It's really hard to build teams that are consistent, you know, for 48 minutes because. They're young guys, you know. I mean, we're just now seeing Jason Tatum find a level of consistency. Jalen Brown finding a level of consistency, you know. And those, that's what makes them special players, you know, if that's where they're going. But as a young guy, as you're, uh, you know, if you're a Romeo Langford trying to figure out how do I fit into this rotation, a Grant Williams, a, you know, Carson Edwards, you know, those guys, they're, they're still trying to figure that out. So to add players who are pros, who know what they're doing and can come in for 15, 20 minutes a night and can play a consistent, um, you know, a consistent level. I think that's really what they're shooting for. So, you know, it's a, it's a Bailitsa, it's a, um, it's, it's, it's a, you know, Bogdanovich, it's a Luke Kennard. It's, you know, guys who've been in the league a few years. And even those guys are a little bit on the younger side, Kennard and, and Bogdanovich. But to me, like that's really the focus 
of what you want to add. You're not talking about adding like five draft picks and, and whatever. No, no, no. This is like a, a, a first rounder and enough matching salary to make a deal happen. You know, and I think if you can add one guy, maybe two, I think that really goes a long way because you know those those best five are going to play a lot. You know Tice is going to play a lot. So there's six players in your rotation right there. Add a couple more, and, and you're really ready to go for all the way into May. Yeah, and it's always good to add shooters, right? I mean, that's that's another thing. Like, just, you know, you mentioned a guy like Kennard. Great shooter, right? So why not get players who can hit buckets, you know, be there just in case. But but do you really feel like it's – do you really feel like a deal is, like, critical? You know what I mean? Do you feel like it's really that big of a deal? Is it really going to have, to your point, all the, you know, the top six players on this team, you know, playing significant minutes? Is it really – like, why even mess with it? And here's why I say that. Just – the good vibes on this club are everywhere. Even when you talk about a guy like Langford trying to find a way into the rotation, he certainly doesn't seem to be a disgruntled player. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a question of of that. It's a question of of when you get to the finals, you get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Who are you calling up to fill that spot? You know, who who can who can rely upon night after night? And while I'd love to say, you know, keep it going with what you have. You know, we've seen that the Celtics have not made that move. We saw last year Toronto did make that move, and it got them all the way to the championship. We saw Milwaukee made that move last year. They got Miritich. You know, they were a deeper, tougher team. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, Philly getting uh, Bellinelli and Iosova. You know, I think that there is a, a value, if it's low cost, to add that extra piece. The other thing I'd say is there's a need to kind of consolidate some pieces here. Um Celtics have three number ones going into this draft. They've got a fully stocked roster. Um, you know, there's and and you, really you could argue those two A players are maybe are deserving of of our full on roster spots. So there's really nothing wrong with maybe saying, hey, maybe we should send some <laughs> send some pieces out, consolidate, get a better seventh guy, a better eighth guy, uh, open up some things, and then also give yourself some room to use those draft picks. Um, you know, if you send out one, he's still got two. You know, there, there, I was going to say, there is a point to be made there. Just, they already have too many picks based on the number of players, you know, that are young on this roster today. And so you're either going to have to trade some of these players away later anyway, to make room for the picks, or you're going to have to spin the picks off for future picks, but they've really hit capacity here, right? Like they just can only add so many more players. How many players are coming up this off season on the roster? Uh, you mean how many are coming like, off? Like in yeah, terms like of last their... year we had the attrition with Morris coming up and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, right? Right, but what right. do we have? Like Tice? No, Tice is he? He's a he's non guaranteed for next year. Right. And, so and five million dollars, you're not going to lose possibility him. Possibility there. But right. Cantor, I, yeah, I get it. Yep. Cantor but, has a player option. And Hayward has a player option. So for the most part, we're we're probably not going to see any attrition. There's going to be cuts that'll have to be made in training yeah. camp. So yeah. if, they, if they don't package guys, they've either got to do it, you know, this summer, you know, or right at during training camp next year and try to get something for it, you know, or they have to spin these these picks off, or they make the picks and somebody doesn't make the roster. I mean, they're at a crunch at this point. Um, so that that does sort of speak to the fact that it that 
It's not that the players are expendable. There's some really nice pieces no. here, but right. they can just only develop so many. We've been down this road before, and you know, you, you could see somebody like Carson Edwards and and Tremont Waters. You know, might be the ones that don't make it next year. But you know, you've already got one of those guys as a two-way player as it is. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, you're still going to have the roster crunch, and you're still going to have three picks next year. So they're going to have to, they're going to have to figure that out. So maybe it does make sense to just take care of it now. To your point, as long as there's a low cost option. But, and I think that's, I think that's exactly right. In the past, few, in a lot of people have been pointing to the fact of, well, uh, you know, they haven't done the deal because, you know, since Isaiah Thomas and all this. Like the reason they haven't is because through those years they're trying to hoard assets. They're trying to hoard draft picks. You know they were either trying to keep young players and keep draft picks. So yeah, they were consolidations and whatnot. You're and up. they were also you know at a point where you know, last year they were still hoping they could be in the Anthony Davis sweepstakes. So that's not happening. We've moved on past that. But now kind of move it on here to to phase two. Um, you know. This is win now mode. Things are even. Things are relatively level. So this is the time that you really should be going for it. Um, so I'll ask you: Do you have any names? Anybody who you're interested? In? Anybody who? Um, I mean, in some ways it doesn't matter because we all know every year people talk about the na- the one night everyone talks about going to the Celtics never happens, um, including Isaiah Thomas five years ago. Never. But yep. but. but I mean, what do you think? I mean, is there a guy that you're like, hmm. I don't know because I haven't really considered it. And then also, to be honest with you, being sick, I'm a little out of the loop. <laughs> you know, I really didn't get it. I'm not I'm not trade hungry this year. There's been years in the past where I've been really trade hungry and like, all right, what are we going to do? But no, I, I seriously don't even have a name. I don't even know who's available. You know what I mean? Like, who's available? Give me five names and I'll tell you who I like. But I don't even know who's being floated. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, then I'm not even sure we know who's being floated. That's you know, my think, point. It seems really kind of yeah. quiet. The rumors yeah. really aren't there, right. you know. And and so I, I I wouldn't even know where to start. You know, what I mean, I have to start scouring rosters and going, okay, you know, what guy? Like we heard the Evan Turner one, right? Okay, so there's one, you know. But it's another There's, way. And I was trading for Evan Turner. But that's that's no. that's gonna be a buyout deal. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so yeah. then how do you create space to to go do something like that? And then who are you giving? Like, let, let, so let's go back to the Langford thing, right? We already know there's a glut of wings, and Javante Green's really fun, but you know he could be a guy who got cut and made make gets make makes some room for another player, or or does he expire? I'm not sure. He might be on a one year deal, right? Uh, wait, who was that? Javante Green. Uh, yeah, no, no, they actually have, they have, uh, he's got he a, uh, a guarantee, deal? he's got a non-guaranteed deal for next year of $1.5 million. All right, so there, so there is some room to be had on this roster for draft yeah. picks, but at the same time, you know, again, they're just going to stay young and stay young. But I guess the point is, is like somebody like Evan Turner, you know, we had so much fun with him. He's a money quote. I think you'd have a lot of fun on this team, too. Boy, would he be lucky to just kind of miss the black hole in between. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, he's he's a ton of fun. But what is... You know, where are the minutes for him? Remember, we used to say, like, E.T. was a poor man's, you know, Gordon Hayward, right? (laughs) And so, you know, playmaker kind of guy, like, that could be useful on the bench, potentially, uh, especially because they can always use some ball, 
you know, some guys who can handle the ball a little bit, but he was, he would fall a little bit more into the ISO, you know, but he was good at finding cutters and some things like that playmaking wise. But, you know, would you rather keep somebody like Langford and try to give them a few minutes or do you want Evan Turner for the playoff run? I don't, you know, that, or, you know, and, and maybe it's an upgrade over Javante Green, but Green's been a ton of fun to watch. And is it that much of an upgrade? Does Evan Turner, you know, make a big play or, you know, a shot in the postseason, you know, that 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 is a it would have to be a P.J. Brown type of scenario for it to to be impactful enough to go to E.T. over somebody like Javante Green. And again, why mess with the chemistry? So, well, yeah, and I don't know. I, I mean, I think there's going to be a deal. I think there's going to be a deal to open up space, uh, a two for one, a three for one, whatever it may be. I think there's going to be a deal. Uh, and, and then, and then the question will be, what do they do with that open space that's, that's, you know, that's there? Uh, it would seem like Evan Turner would be a guy who would be a buyout candidate. There's been rumors that Tristan Thompson might be a buyout candidate. It's hard to say. I mean, there's a lot of these so guys. So you think they're going to make a deal so that they can open up roster space to sign yeah. the buyout guys? Absolutely. Tom, Thompson's, there's some bad blood with Thompson, but that would not be a bad addition for them heading into the postseason. Somebody who's got some playoff experience, you know, somebody that nec- isn't necessarily going to get a ton of minutes on this roster, but could be called upon, yeah. you know, for some pretty solid spot minutes. I mean, I think it's pretty unlikely, honestly, that, uh, you know, that they had, you know, that they get there. I, I think what, what I'd like to see them do is, is try to, to, do two birds with one stone. I mean, to me, Evan Turner is is a, a sage bench voice, um, on you know who might have to play in a pinch, but really is is there to kind of be a leader wave on the, the bench. Towel. Yeah, wave yeah, the towel around, yeah, to, ML yeah, car. Kind, yeah, exactly. That's to me, that's the role for him in in on this team, you know, down the stretch. And certainly, we all know that he has a lot of uh, uh, goodwill uh, for the for the team. So I think that's that's a, a good thing, you know. But but for me, you know, I was really hoping Bogdan Bogdanovich was a guy that the Kings were going to move on from. Mark Stein had a had a you know tweet tonight, basically indicating. The Kings are making moves to try to open up, uh, you know, their way towards being able to uh, sign him, re-sign Bogdanovich this summer. So it seems like the, the the tea leaves around that are he's off the market. So then you're looking at Luke Kennard, Bielitsa might be a guy that you'd look at, um, you know. But there's again, those are all seventh, eighth pieces. Those aren't you know starting pieces, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you know, you move in a couple players, a Poirier, a Carson Edwards, and, you know, maybe that Milwaukee number one, which is basically a second rounder, uh, and moving that to get to, you know, to get a chance on a Bielitsa, who's on a two-year deal at, at pretty modest money. You know, somebody like that. I think that's really the type of deal I'd be looking at. Um, but, hey, we've got, we got, we're going to find out a lot more uh, when it comes to 3 o'clock tomorrow. Um, what... Last maybe I'd love to build more hype about that, but I just you know my my hype level on the trade market is pretty low for sure. Not trying to be like all you know or whatever, and and I think you're right. I think you know a small move could happen, but it's just not. Man, I what I'm locked in on is like Hayward coming back to form. You know, watching Jalen. Um, you know, and his handles just continue to build confidence. And then Jason Tatum right now is mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Even and what's great is even though he had to miss the games with the hammy, he was phenomenal on both ends of that. Like All he right. took a little so break, he got healthy. Hold that. He was amazing. Hold that. Okay. All right, okay. hold that. Let's let's hold on to that. Let's talk about that. It, it just we'll get to the other end of the break. I, I want to talk about, about those guys, how they've been playing in Kemba's absence, and also as we head up to the all star break, what that means. But first, the football's gonna be packed away. But basketball, hockey, golf, and yes, you can even bet on the Academy Awards as you can find all the odds with our exclusive sportsbook partner, Bet Online. They have been in the industry for over 20 years, providing customers with the first to market odds and giving you the ability to bet on time anywhere. So head over to betonline.aj. Use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and have a little fun with some betting action today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, so you were saying, you were talking about the growth, the beauty, and I think this game tonight, Justin, really was a great example of that. Unfortunately, Jalen Brown, you know, walking off, limping at the I end of that I think that's a game. minor tweak. I'm not worried about that. It just sucks that we have to keep giving guys nights right. off that's to, thing. like, work through these things. That's such a pain. But listen, uh, you know, you ha- you poked a little fun at me again on Twitter. <laughs> Is this still after Christmas? <laughs> Is it? I don't know. Let's Dude, check you the, know we check the record here. Stop Hold on. Coy. <laughs> a, a blip on the radar is how I described it. The post-holiday blip on the radar. It happens every year, and it happened again. And we talked to Sean Grady about it, you know, 500th episode, and then there it came. I'm just saying. But either way, we don't need to revisit that. What I am saying is it's amazing the way they're winning games right now, considering the revolving door. Like, the biggest thing is when are we going to get the starting five out on the floor together to be able to build chemistry, dot, 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 right? And now here we are. We can't even keep the same starting five from one night to the next, and they're on a total roll, and they've gotten some wins. And I, I realize the opponents, you know, and the quality of the opponents helped out a little bit, but that Philly game was a ton of fun. Oh my gosh, the Philly game was was amazing, and it was a it was the perfect opportunity to see the Celtics play the way they need to play against Philly. Like again, I don't care if they lose the game, they you know, but but I wanted to see that style of play against Philly. Like how is Philly's size going to react to Boston playing that way? Now Philly played terribly, but you know I think. I think it was a style issue. I think that was really the problem with the Celtics, uh, you know, earlier you know efforts, and they get kind of pushed off the court, and at least you know a couple of them. But I thought in this last one, that was really it was Jason, it was Jalen, it was you know Hayward, it was smart. All those guys kind of really Tice, you know, Cantor, everybody kind of really putting pressure on them and using their size and their cutting and their and their and their their while uh to to really attack uh philly um and by the way the Celtics have been 15 and 8 since christmas day uh so anyway in that post holiday imagine uh, what swoon. it could have been if they had totally slumped it you know what i mean they'd probably be just want to mention point. that I, i'm saying eight. if they didn't if they didn't if they didn't have that what did they lose six of eight you know what i mean even if they went even if they went uh, so 
They've lost six of eight. So let's say they went five and three. You know what I mean? That's I'm a, just saying, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's Post like a, that's a what? That's a four, but that's a four-game swing. So let's look at the standings right now. You know what I mean? Put them four games up in the standings. Where are they? As we talk about, you know, home court advantage heading into the postseason. They really in- should just be undefeated is really what we're, what we're saying. No, no, I didn't even say that. I said they could go five and three coming out of the holiday <laughs> instead of losing six of eight. So here, 35 and 15 right now. Uh-huh. They'd be 35. They'd be 39 and 11. They'd be four games back from Milwaukee. And they'd have one more win than the Lakers. If all they could have done was steady that ship a little bit and be on the same pace they have been the rest of the season. And mm-hmm. and the issue was it was an effort letdown. So it's not the injuries. That's what's so great about the – it's vindicating that that blip on the radar is not an injury-related blip based on the way that they've performed recently. And it wasn't even the opponents, although there were some tougher opponents during that stretch you know, than the recent revolving door injury opponent stretch with the exception of Philly. But we also gotta we also gotta not pick on Philly. It was a great game to watch, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and Ben Simmons did Ben Simmons things, including, you know, what, not take a three pointer. I think he took one maybe in that game, but either way. Um but Embiid was not a hundred percent. What I did love was Marcus Smart having a lot of fun with Al Horford though. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And and the Philly I'm I'm gonna pick on Philly. Um Look, they are not right, and it's pretty clear that there's there's some bad stuff going on there. I don't think that they're going to have the ability to make a move um, because they've, they've leveraged so much to get to the team that they have. And it seems to me the only move that they have to make and they will make is probably to, to dismiss their coach, which I really think is a shame because I think it's it's about roster construction there and, and that you really can't make it work with an Embiid and a, and a Simmons on the same court. I just don't think it works. So, um, you know, unfortunately, I think Brett Brown is going to pay the price for that. The fact that they've had three GMs who haven't figured that out yet. But that's not our problem. <laughs> that's Philly's problem. I just wonder. It's if, a great problem to watch. It's a great problem. <laughs> as a Celtics fan, I think it's a great problem to have. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, they're very talented. I really don't want to face them in the playoffs. Um, and as it is right now, Celtics would be playing the Sixers in the first round, um, so which is somewhat interesting. But Boston's only well, a game and a half back for from Brooklyn, Toronto, aren't we? So are we if, hoping right. for Brooklyn? Well, we well right. Just if they're watch, yeah, they're a game and a half back at Toronto, and Toronto's they've won twelve in a row. Yeah, so 12. it's at some point Toronto will lose, I do believe. Uh, and by the way, know, they were dealing with a revolving door of injuries as well sure. during that their stretch. So that's an interesting 12 straight. Yeah, yeah. But but remember, when we went through that, you know, we were talking about it. Almost everybody was in some sort of 5-5, five 6-4, and 4-6 five, and four, four and six type mode uh, other than Milwaukee. All of those teams, 2 through 7, were all kind of bleh, you know what I mean? And so it, it's not surprising, but Toronto and Boston really were the two teams in particular who picked it up, and, and Miami to a, to a, a very – slightly lesser extent um you know miami's only a half game back from boston um and speaking of brooklyn guess who's injured again (laughs) let's see who could it be um hmm oh would that be kyrie irving yeah like you know i know 
I know he wanted to talk about Kobe at some point, but I think, honestly, Kyrie had gone past Kobe in terms of my, you know, dislike factor. That's a big deal. That's not a, that's not an insignificant situation right there. Uh, the early the early bones of this show were were uh, really built, uh, you know, were fluffed around uh, an intense dislike of Kobe Bryant. And I think we could easily say the the present day and the the latter day version of Something Stuff Live owes a lot of its uh, passion to a dislike of he who must not be named. Well, yeah, and that whole January 31st, you know, 2017 game. And, and don't keep in mind, too, or 2007. Did I say 17? That's so funny. Yeah. It tells you how many years have passed. <laughs> that January 31st, 2007 game was crazy because seven months later to the day, you know, everything really changed. But even more crazy was that was the so I was at that game. Everybody is chanting MVP for Kobe. The Lakers jerseys are everywhere. I met up with the gang green guys after the game and had a couple of beers and we were definitely salty, you know, and there were still Kobe jerseys all over the place in Boston. It was just one of those moments where you're just like, this is ridiculous. This is a never should happen scenario. Um, totally not right. And, um, you know, they've been playing you know, flashback games. But one of the flashback games they played was that game. And uh, I tuned on uh, NBA app, and I just happened to pull it up the other day. I was watching it. And the irony is Scalabrini had his best game of the season so far to that point um, and was totally pulling the Celtics back into the game with Kobe on the bench in the early fourth quarter. It raced like a 12-point deficit and got it down to six with Scal. You know, I think that might have even been the game where he got the white mamba joke. I'm not even sure, you know, but um, but either way, it was a really hilarious um, but unsettling scenario at the Garden. I was at the game. I was really unhappy about it. And then I think it was probably about six weeks later that we got our first credential and went in and, and began covering the team and definitely did not think after all the big trades and everything that we would continue uh, to be able to cover the team. But that stretch of time, you know, to your point, you know, there's a lot of Kobe hate on this show. Um, and, and quite frankly, even when I remember where I was, I was taking the dogs to the vet for shots when all of a sudden the push messages start flooding my phone. Um, you know, letting me know about, you know, the, the helicopter crash. What is interesting and you'll find very interesting, John, is, you know, I definitely was like, what? You know, and I like stood there in a moment of disbelief. And this is what's so weird to me because I actually almost had to like check. I had to figure out what was going on because in my mind, I, I actually felt really, I felt, I felt really sad about it. And I was really bummed out about it. And it was kind of a surprise to me, and it's not because like I'm an inhumane person, but you know Kobe was definitely not a perfect person, and I remember you know the whole Colorado incident and everything else, and I remember the age I was, you know when that was going on, and you know how I viewed that and how quickly we vilify the enemies, 
you know, in our sporting lives and everything else. And I'm not saying he wasn't guilty or he was guilty, but there's a lot of holes in that case. And I actually went back and looked it up, you know what I mean, to be like, okay, what were the facts on that? You know, and I'm not even sure I had an objective opinion about it. And I'm not saying, you know, it doesn't matter either way. He was still, you know, not faithful and he admitted as much. Right. And so, you know, there's all of these things that surround Kobe that way. But there's one undeniable fact, regardless of what happened then, he definitely became a much better human being, father and husband over the ensuing, you know, 15 years or whatever. I can't remember when that happened. Was that 2003 was the Colorado thing? Yep. So, yeah. So so over the next, you know, 17 years, you know, to the point that the, the crash happened. He definitely did become a much better human being, regardless of the fact that I still hated him. You know what I mean? And I still, you know, just him being in a Lakers uniform. And I remember, you know, just hating the fact the whole Shaq pairing, you know, just all seemed very unfair, um, you know, to the rest of the league. And you guys talked about that a little bit. You and Nick, you know, talked a little bit about the the Shaq factor and all of that. But um but I also just sat there afterwards and, and thought, just what the hell was somebody doing, no matter how experienced of a pilot, what the hell were they doing to try to get to a basketball game? You know, why would you, why would you take that risk just to go to a basketball game? Yeah, but well, that was that was his, that was what he did. Like he lived down in Orange County, so the facility was, I, I guess, in under, under, LA. I, yeah, I that's what he did. I, that was his. That was his like argument, I guess, was that he was going to use helicopters to get everywhere, so that way he no, no, didn't no, no, miss no. that anything. part. I get that was his I, thing. I, I get. That. I just, I no, I get. That. I know you I, may get that, but I wanted to kind of state that. So, oh, just for the right. record. Yeah, no, I I did understand that. I knew with the traffic and everything else, like his thing was the helicopter. I I I not I don't think it's I don't I'm not ups, I don't think it was crazy to use a helicopter with that much money in your pocket. To go to a basketball game, I'm saying in those conditions, like that was just a huge risk for no reason. That's the part that I don't get. It's, it's I, I gotta think that flying anything, especially in a mountainous area with no visibility, just as a risk you didn't have to take. You just didn't have to take it. And that's the part that is just mind blowing to me. Is why not wait? Why not you know cancel the game? Why not hop in a car? Like. I just cannot figure out what was going on in anybody's head, especially the pilots. And, you know, everybody that's talked about the pilot who says they know him, knew him, said, oh, no, he was, you know, he wasn't like he wasn't an egomaniac like the rest of us. He wasn't an adrenaline junkie like the rest of us. You know what I mean? Like and and yet he made this choice. And I just I cannot figure out how they decided that that was a good idea. I really can't. And, you know, even all the police choppers were grounded, right? So if this guy was such a great, experienced, and humble pilot, what the hell was he thinking? And and I really don't, you know, you can start to, like, all those weird thoughts start to enter your mind. You know what I mean? Did somebody pressure him to fly? And, you know, oh, we got to get to this game. And, you know, I, I don't think so. You know what I mean? I, I really, I got to think in the back of my, I, I really think that the pilot just made the decision that, you know, was a bad one. And, you know, everybody's good for a bad decision in their lives. And and he really didn't get away with that one. And it's really unfortunate for the families, yeah. for the families and the kids. Well, I yeah, I think I think that's, yeah, obviously it didn't did go um, 
Yeah. Um, just as a, I'm scrolling along Twitter as we're kind of doing this show here, and as, as I usually do. Um, but uh, Clevis Murray uh, just tweeted, said, not sure what for, but Poirier is having t- teammates sign his jersey. Thus far, I've seen Tatum, Taco, Jalen, Javante, and Tremont sign. So, is he getting traded? <laughs> well, he, you know, he's the one who's probably the most likely to be dealt. Uh, he's played probably the least out of anybody. Well, but they're not going to, I don't think they're going to cut anybody. They're going to cut they, anybody now. Know, well, you're you right. Know? They would just wait until they needed to make room. Yeah, that's right. Point. So, so they're going to hold on to that. And so, it would, and plus, he has a guaranteed contract for next season. <laughs> so, with that, with, he's the only one really, I think, on that list. Um, he actually makes more than Grant does. Um, he's probably the most likely to be dealt out of anybody on the roster. So uh, I don't know if he's just preemptively trying to, hey, I got everybody in the room. <laughs> Let's take care of this because could, I could be gone. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, it seems as though uh, Poirier is um, Very maybe in some way, you know, acknowledging this may be it for him. So um, anyway, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, something to add a little bit to the, to the pile here. Um, Before we, before we wrap up, um, just wanted to get your thoughts kind of as we're, we've kind of talked about this. I want to talk about the bit about the playoff. I know we talked a little about where the teams are. Um, We didn't really talk about Milwaukee. We didn't talk about Toronto. Um, so right now it's Milwaukee one, Toronto two, the Celtics are a game and a half back of Toronto in third place. Then Miami, Indiana's fifth. Sixers are there's a pretty pretty big gap, a four game gap between Miami and fourth and Indiana and fifth. Sixers sixth, Nets seventh, and Orlando Magic eighth. How important is playoff seating for the Celtics? You know, they're a game and a half back of Toronto. You would think That's they're gonna huge. cool off a little bit. No, let's just say it, it's huge. Okay. It's huge because of the hometown crowd. More than home 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 court advantage, or yeah, home court advantage for the Celtics is more important than it is for just about any other team in the NBA, except the one that's playing the Celtics. This crowd is phenomenal, right? It has it's a bigger if if you're playing the Celtics, it's a huge factor because then when the Celtics come to your your court, it's not as much of a of a impact on on the Celtics, but it's intimidating, and everybody said it. You know, I'm not saying that because I was a player who played against the Celtics. You know, but I'm saying every we've had tons of opponents tell us that we've had tons of players come to the Celtics and talk about how intimidating it was when they used to play against the team. Um, we've had so many opponents and current players tell us that this is the best place to play, you know, this, that, but at the same time, it's a hard place to play because everybody knows their sport. Everybody's in it. Everybody loves it. But when you're with the hometown team and you're playing well and that crowd's going bananas, it's huge. It's a huge lift. And even look at the way that they played, you know, tonight, you look at the, the, we talked about Jason Tatum being on fire. He is fueling off that crowd. Mm -hmm. There are nights where it just elevates his game. You know, and and he relishes it. And so I, I think for the Celtics, it's extremely huge. They're obviously not going to get it in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're never going to leapfrog, you know, uh, Milwaukee most likely, barring, you know, all of a sudden Giannis going down with an injury. 
uh, you know, then then they might make a, make up some ground. But you know, right now they're what eight back? Is that what it is? Uh, the, yeah, eight back. Yep. Yeah, so they're eight back right now. Um, that's a lot of ground, even with a Giannis injury at this point in the season. A uh, lot of ground. Mm-hmm. So, so I think you, I think you want to get that second seat. I really do. And I, I, I don't. And sometimes there's an upset that might be in the wings, you know, waiting in the wings, and then that winds it. You know, depending on where your seed falls, you can kind of, you know, end up in the the second round and all of a sudden a better position than you thought. But then you got to fall more to that like middle of the pack for that to happen. You know what I mean? So um, I, I think I think they really got to go for the two seed. And I still think they can take it from Toronto. I really do. But um, it's going to be neck and neck the whole way. And then, you know, they're not the only ones sitting right there, as you mentioned. You know, plenty, yeah. plenty of other viable number two candidates all clumped together behind Milwaukee. I mean, I, I like I like the gap between four and five. I like the fact that we're not. They're Indiana and, and the Sixers really. You have, got it the first round, right? I, they've I get got that I gap. But, well, what I mean is, like, it's going to be harder for them to kind of get up into that next tier of Toronto, Boston, Miami. You know what I mean? That that four game gap. That's a lot to make up over thirty games. Uh, not impossible, but it's hard. You know, and so okay, now you're really talking about Toronto, Boston, Miami, and that kind of two, three, four. And it, I think it's going to be a dogfight. You know, Indiana gets a Guadala, but they give up Justice Winslow to do it. I, I think that's a bigger gamble than people are letting on. Uh, but if you can get to that two seed, then you're guaranteed to not have to play any of the other two through six in the first round, which I think is the biggest advantage going. You know, now, if KD decides to play and he looks like KD, maybe that's not such a great idea, but my guess is that's not going to happen. And with, with Kyrie being the way he is, I want to play Brooklyn that first round and I want to embarrass the hell out of him. You know, if you do that, then you've got a whole, you better got home, this year than court. next. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you've got home court for the second round. So whoever comes out of the, the three, six, um, you know, slot, whether it's Toronto and Philly or, you know, uh, Miami and uh, Indiana, you know, out of that well, group. That's a really good point right there that you're making, you, too, about that six seed being Philly right now. Yeah, that three seed is is actually a is a pretty for for the teams that you just listed at two, three, four, all vying for being the second best team in the Eastern conference. That's a big swing. You almost, if Philly's going to be at six, you almost want to fall to four. You know what I mean? And then what play Indiana? Is that the way it would slot out right now? You'd play right Indiana. now. Yeah. yeah so right that. now you'd play, I know I'm pulling all this again. out of my head, but yeah, <laughs> no, it's right. Yeah. Right. Right. You play Indiana again, but I feel better about Indiana in the postseason than I do Philly, regardless of the circumstances. Oh, absolutely. You know, I don't think they're going to trade anybody. Like you said, you might lose Brett Brown, but, you know, that might be one of those situations that really sparks a fire. Good. Right. And you get a Good. short-term burst. I'm not saying you don't still have the long-term problem, but it might, you know, and if they stay in that sixth seed, like, that's the team I'm trying to avoid in the first round. That's a That's a killer matchup you know, talent wise in the first round and it's got upset potential written all over it because truthfully, not the chemistry, not the makeup of the of the roster. And we said this before the season even started, you know, still not enough shooters and you lost a playmaker in Butler, so who do you go like or not a shot maker I should say, in Butler. So 
you know, and and Redick as a shooter, you know. So there's definitely there's some limitations on that roster still, and we knew that that was going to be an issue. But talent wise, talent wise, that's a team that you know is still, you know, should be a team that's fighting for that number two spot. It's the makeup of the team that's preventing that from happening, not the talent on the team. And something always goes weird in the postseason when you talk about talent-loaded teams, regardless of regular season performance. Absolutely. Yeah, and, that's, and I think that's why you worry about them. In spite of all of this bad bad, you know, blood, it seems it's to so be fun to pick on them, but they're still very dangerous. Yep, no doubt. And and as the as the Playoffs kick up. Especially for us. Especially for us. Especially for us. The the pace of the game slows down, and and bigger teams seem to be able to get away with more. So could I see Philadelphia looking a lot better in the playoffs than I do now? I do. Um, Having said that, they're exhibiting the terrible chemistry that the Celtics did last year, and we know how that worked out. So um, there's that. The other thing I just want to mention. Better than us again. Yeah. Yeah, right. The other thing I'd mention is, so obviously the, the Toronto matchups are huge and winning that season series with as close as everyone is, it's going to be really important to win those series with Toronto. Um, so I, I have to look and see when, they, when they're up again. But the other thing I want to mention, so the Lakers right now are first in the West. Now this is getting way far ahead of things, right? Admittedly. And we know the Bucks have just been killing it. 43 and 7, an 860 win percentage. So, but aside from the Lakers and the Bucks, okay, um, the Celtics are tied for okay. This is the Raptors are next, the third best record in the league, but the Celtics are tied for the next best record in the league with the Clippers. So, look, all I'm saying is this: the Lakers don't make it out of the West, the Bucks don't make it out of the Eastern Conference. If it's the Celtics and Clippers, the Celtics have a chance if they win the season series here this coming week. They are the ones who might be uh, actually with home court advantage in the finals. Now that's getting ah, that's that's just uh, that's just getting ahead of myself. That's getting ahead of, ahead of ahead of myself. But all I'm saying is the Celtics have done a great job with their record. They got to get that second seed. They got to get ahead of Toronto. It's it's just so crucial as they uh, so kind of look ahead. they play the Raptors on March twentieth is the next game or the last game, right? Is that the last game of the season series? Yeah, it is. March 20th. So uh, they'll have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. There'll only be 13 games left after that. So they've, they're have 2-1 right now with Toronto. They win that game on March 20th, you said? They own the tiebreaker. Yeah, the tiebreaker. So they're 2-1 right now. And uh, that would be that would be the tiebreaker that they would need. So um, look ahead to that, and let's hope that maybe Toronto has not won at that point. Uh, something like thirty-two. What a run. versatile team they are, though. That Toronto is After, just yeah. really. It, it, here's the thing: after hating Toronto for all this time, I can't help but just be like, just total respect to them for this season. Total respect, you know, just balanced roster, really deep. Kind of similar to the Celtics in a lot of ways, honestly. I mean, I know they've still got a big man, but he's an aging big man, right? And so uh, they're still a little bit of a versatile wing heavy, but good, strong point guard. 
you know, shooters, outside shooters, uh, defensive oriented. There's a lot of similarities, and um, I, and I don't mean to sound soft here, but I just can't hate that team like I used to. I used to hate them, uh, and I and I hated playing them because it was always a bad matchup for the Celtics. You want to talk about losing season series, but it's you got to take your hat off to that team, and they're a little likable. They're likable in a really odd way for for a team that's been a rival for a while. You're soft. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Philly, right? It's not I like, no, I don't like know. them. Oh, I you don't do like it. them? I don't. I don't. What do you? What do you no, what, I respect what, them. I do. I, I just, get that you respect them, but but you don't even like. I don't want to see them do well. I I I, I don't. I really don't like Kyle him? Lowry. But I, didn't I'm you just, hate him? Oh, really? Yeah, not did, a fan did, of Kyle Lowry. Don't you hate? Didn't you hate him more when they had Kawhi? Um, no, I, no, I, I really liked Kawhi. I kind of wanted to see them do well, kind of in spite of all that stuff. Um, if it wasn't going to be the Celtics, I was kind of hoping they would, um, this year. Okay. All right. Toronto, you've, you've done well. Time to move, exit stays left. You know, it's like, uh, let's move on. Well, you here. just want them out of the way. Let's let, yeah, let's, Masai, you can, you can go to New York and try to deal with James Dolan and, uh, you know, just get out of our way, you know? <laughs> That's where I am on it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, let how about this? Let's close this up and we'll do we'll we'll look at the week ahead here in the uh outtakes. In the outtakes. Does Good that day. sound? All right. Yep. So let's pro- hear it, dude. All right. I don't usually do this. This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin. That's him. And at CSL underscore Duke. That's me. A heartfelt thank you and very heartfelt we mean to everyone tuning in. And remember, you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher and anywhere else you can find it. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And boy, does it ever. Uh, for staff writer Samuel Elias. Sammy! And we're not even sure if he's a staff writer for us, but he writes for somebody. Executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and sometime co-host. And for my co-host, Justin Poulin. I'm John Duke. This is weird. I'm reading this backwards. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Okay. So, Justin, we got to nice talk job. About- nice job with role reversal. Role reversal. Freaky Friday situation. This is, you know, uh, I don't know, Jamie. Am I Jamie Lee Curtis and you're Lindsay Lohan, or am I Lindsay Lohan and you're Jamie Lee Curtis? I guess either way you reverse it, so it's the same. But regardless, right? I'm Arnold and you're Danny DeVito. That's twins, man. I know, but Are we twins. Is that how that works? Maybe. I'm very confused. Oh dear. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So let's 